Hello ladies and gents, welcome to Pod on the Tyne, a podcast all about Newcastle United, brought to you by The Athletic. My name is Taylor Payne, I'm going to be your host, and I'm joined by the marvellous Mr George Colkin and the effervescent Mr Michael Walker. How are we doing chaps, are we good? Marvellous, marvellous. <laughs> Effer- is that the uh, first time you've been... Not the first and last time that description will ever be used about Michael. Well done. Excellent. Thank you. Um, this podcast is one of 11 free podcasts being launched by The Athletic right now, including the Ornstein and Chapman show, where David Ornstein and Mark Chapman lift the lid on football's biggest stories. To hear that and many more excellent podcasts, as well as being able to access the very best football writing in the UK, go to theathletic.com now and subscribe with a 40% discount using the code UKPOD. And now that I have that bit of admin out of the way, let us start. So, we're going to start, chaps, by talking... Uh, first of all, welcome, Michael. Hello. Hello. Thank you for coming along and stepping in for Chris, who is currently sunning himself, I believe, on the, in the south of France. How are you doing? Are you well? Um, very well, yeah. I think that's a good trip he's on, yeah. Yeah, he seems to be... Uh, get, when do we get to do these trips, George? Do, do we get to do something like that soon? Uh, we've got Shields next week. Right, uh, yeah. Gateshead the week after. Uh, I've got Blythe Spartans, I believe, yep. in a couple of weeks' Enjoy. time to speak to Lee Clark. Yes, excellent. Right. Uh, and Boston or Rochdale. Oh, yes, of course. The uh, the cup draw, Boston yes. or Rochdale, a potential banana skin. I'm looking forward to <laughs> a new... What do you mean potential? <laughs> an actual banana skin. I'm looking forward to a new uh, game to, to replace the old Hereford United game yeah. that the BBC can show now constantly for the next 30 years whenever the <laughs> FA Cup draw comes along. That'd be nice. That's the spirit. Yeah. Ronnie Radford. Uh, yeah, so, um, Michael, it's, uh, do you want to give us a little bit about, about your background? I mean, I, I, I've met you before. Um, yes. But... Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I came here first in 1984 <laughs> to Newcastle. So I've uh, the first game I went to see was Newcastle v West Ham in 1984. That's September, I think. Um, Bobby Barnes played. I remember that. Chris Waddle played. Um, and uh, and then I, I just and then I came back. The and then I came back. And then I came back ten years later, and I've been here ever since working. That's it. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, you've you've wrote, wrote a book about uh, the northeast. I, as well, I, yeah, I wrote a book called Up There. Yes, about northeast football in general, which included Newcastle United, much Newcastle United, and uh, that's about five years old, but still available. Excellent. And yes. it's still. Uh, no, no, no word of a lie or exaggeration. That is the definitive book about Northeast football. It's an absolutely brilliant book, and uh, I would heartily recommend it to all our listeners. Excellent. So there's one, w- one word of a lie there. <laughs> one, one for your Amazon lists there for going into Christmas. Excellent. Right. So, chaps, we'll dive in and we'll talk about the Man City game at the weekend. Two-two, the final score. Let's be honest. Was anybody expecting that result, or was that a bit of a surprise? Well, I mean. No, in one sense, you weren't expecting that kind of result, uh, particularly not if you compare it with Aston Villa in the previous game. But um, in the context of what Newcastle have shown they can do over the last couple of seasons, I guess it's not a surprise. They beat Man City at home last season, after all. And, you know, they've had a couple of really good results against against good teams this season already, albeit those teams were struggling. So it's what they're set up to do. They can They can defend well if everyone's on their game if they all defend properly if they all do their jobs they're quite capable of getting a good result like that against top teams they've shown it they've shown it consistently and the strength of this team is what they have at the back 
Um, you know, we're still not seeing the striker score goals. Um, but other areas of the team are chipping in. So, um, no, it's not a surprise in that sense. It is a surprise in the context of the Villa performance, which was wildly different. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a surprise as you watched it. I thought that you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, if if Gabriel Jesus takes his chance, if yeah. Bernardo Silva takes his chance, if Raheem Sterling takes his chance, then it's a different, it's a very different outcome, and then it becomes a very different atmosphere around, you know, because of Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. So you would be having Aston Villa, Manchester City, and then Sheffield United. So it would look, it would feel, it would feel you know really different I think so I think Shelby's goal was like you know it was a brilliant goal brilliantly taken and it really matters I think yeah I mean I, I think we we know the way Man City are going to play when they come up here aren't they they're, we're going to have to sit back they're going to try and pass shapes around you and and play the channels and all that sort of stuff and I think Guy Mowbray mentioned in the in the commentary on match of the day that they were like water trying to get through a dam uh, and it was basically just that solid uh, back four, five, six, seven, whatever it was at whatever point in the game. Uh, but I think the main thing to, to remember here is we're, we're still organised. And I was a little bit worried about that at the start of the season because at the start of the season, we didn't look organised. At least we didn't look as organised as what we were last year under Rafa. Yeah, and, you know, Steve Bruce came in. He had a very short pre-season, a truncated pre-season, wanted to do things differently. And because, of I think, of that limited time, had to experiment on the job. So um, we saw a couple of pretty calamitous, you know, results because of that. Uh, Norwich was obviously awful and Leicester was pretty awful, albeit against, uh, you know, we've seen how good they are since then. Um, and after that point, he realised that something had to change and he's, he's reverted back to the system that they played um, for most of last season. And it suits... It suits the personnel Newcastle have. They've got six centre-halves, um, all much of a muchness, all very capable, and it makes sense to play three of them. And yeah. um, on you know on their day, Newcastle are capable of... If every, I mean, I, I think they, they're, 100%, they're a 100% team. They have to be at 100%. They mm. can't afford to let things slip. That's still the same kind of team they are. I mean, I suppose with Shelby back in the fold, which is a surprise to me, I didn't think he would be... Uh, he, that he would kind of come back into things and be prominent. They do have a player who's capable of doing something out of the ordinary, as we saw at the end of that game. But um, by and large, it's a functional team and it needs every bit of it to be at 100% to, to kind of get a decent result. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think that M- Manchester City is a difficult game to judge because they're so good. Whereas whenever they play Southampton, that'll be. You know, there'll be an emphasis on the team to be creative and it's that so it's not just about solidity and it's yeah. not just about organization so it's about yeah. trying to create stuff and then and that that then asks more questions and you'll see more it should reveal more about who Newcastle are and what they potentially can be um, week yeah. week by week I don't just mean over the 90 minutes of Southampton but you know as they play that kind of that kind of game like the Bournemouth game you know whenever they're up against opponents who they in, it theoretically should be the equals of. Yeah, I want I want to make a, a particular point about mentioning those lads at the back. The three central defenders I thought were excellent against Man City. They had a lot of work to do, but they were so organised. And arguably, they're probably our second choice back three. If you think Lejeune's out injured, Lascelles wasn't there, and Shaw wasn't playing either. Um, you've got the three players who probably wouldn't be starting if those guys were fit. So I think they've done a fantastic job. 
Yeah. Fern- Fernandez is really. I, I think he should be starting. He was something else, actually, yeah, wasn't you know, he? On but he, he was but very he is, good. In, he is in a lot of games. You know, I think him and Shar are, you know, really, really good. And mm. uh, so I think, yeah, I, I do think that. And I agree with with what they have done. But there's also all that work in front of them as well. There was a lot of people doing a lot of work. And even the, even those wide men were back in front of them forming yeah. a barrier. So, you know, whilst they made lots of, you know, big headers and big tackles, there, w- there, there was a lot of help in front of them. I think, that's, I think that's very important. And, you know, that is one of the strengths of the squad. It still is a very honest squad. And, you know, that's been, it's not always fun to watch this team. And it certainly wasn't last season as well, or the season before. But it's very difficult to criticise them because you know that they're, they're they're decent players and they're decent lads. There's you know there's no sort of there's that no, non dickhead rule which still seems to sort of stand true. And we don't of, have that on this podcast yet, do we? Unfortunately, no. It's, it's, it's an absolute <laughs> full, pr- full dickhead. Eventually, yeah. full dickhead compliment. <laughs> and if you think about that, you mentioned the three centre halves, and that's a great point. You know, um, Kieran Clark. I don't think anybody would have expected to kind of to be back no. in the team and to be as prominent as he has been and be as good as he has been. Mankio was superb by all accounts at the yeah, weekend. Again, somebody who's not, you know, who's 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 had a lot of criticism, um, but has done very well and come in. And then you look at the midfield, you know, this time last year, Hayden, you know, wouldn't have been involved. Is a mainstay in the team. This is now a team that played without both Longstaff brothers at the weekend, yeah. who obviously played against Man United with such fanfare. Um, it's a good, honest squad. It's not blessed with strength in depth, but it's got it it you know, it has that honesty in depth, I suppose. I thought Isaac Hayden was excellent actually on Saturday as well. And he's his job is made a little bit harder sometimes when John Joe Shelby plays alongside oh, him because absolutely. we know what Shelby's like. He's not the kind who's gonna be running up and down the pitch, tracking back and, and chasing, uh, busting a gut for the team. He gives you something different to that. He's not that kind of midfielder, but Hayden is almost doing the running for two players, a little bit like what Teotie used to do for Kabai, allowing Kabai just to kind of ghost about playing nice passes. Hayden is in there tackling right across that back four, back three even, sorry. And uh, he, I thought he did a fantastic job on Saturday. He's, I love him. I love Isaac Hayden as a, as a player, and I love his story about, you know, he 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 felt that he had to leave last season, but has ended up staying, and obviously, mm. really, really kind of loves the place. Um, that you know that that point that you mentioned about him him covering for Shelby that becomes different if Newcastle are attacking and if they're attacking the teams or trying to attack other teams, because that's when I mean it's okay if you know you've got ten men behind the ball, um, but. It's on those occasions when Shelby sort of goes forward and then leaves those huge spaces behind. I mean, yeah. what? I, th- I sort of think that's, in a way, that's a wee bit harsh on Shelby. I think Shelby does his work and he's also creative. Oh, he, did, he did it the weekend. You know, the and weekend. being creative being creative is the hardest thing in a, on a football pitch. And he's creative. And that's, I, I think that sometimes gets a bit lost and people see him, you know, just because he hits a 40-yard pass. If he hits it accurately, it's a, you know, it's a good pass. Yeah. And, and people sort of think, oh, it's showboating and all like this here. I don't think, I think he, pa- I think he's Newcastle's best pass of the ball. And that's really important. It's really important to keep the ball and pass it well. But, and, I, think, and, you I, know. but I think, I think the reason why he's, it's been difficult to accommodate him is because, I mean, there's been a desire to accommodate him because he is 100% their most creative player, but he's also a liability. And I think he's lacked discipline. You and, can't call and him I, a liability. 
that's well, I can. Be, I, he got left out by Benitez. He got left out by Bruce for that for those very reasons. Liability's uh, too way too strong. I think Shelby sometimes has a has a tendency to maybe sulk a little bit if things are not going his way on the pitch, and if he's tried a few of those long balls or he's tried a few cute passes and it hasn't worked out, you see his shoulders drop a little bit, and sometimes he can become a little bit. Uh, Lazy, not for a, for a want of a better word, a little bit of laziness can sometimes creep in. That's it, that's, it's, again, that's harsh. It's not that's really, really harsh. It's no. not harsh. It's, 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 Newcastle it's his were shoulders a... drop in the way that Chris Waddle's shoulders drop. No, it's no. His, oh, it's, you cannot it's, compare it's him to. A, you can't compare him to Chris no, Waddle. No, Chris Waddle was criticised for being lazy and looking demotivated and things like that. That's a, that's the same. It, it's just the way they carry themselves. Mm. I don't. I don't. No, I you, don't see Newcastle, that. Newcastle. He scores. He scores a very good late goal, which proves that he's going right to the end. Yeah. yeah I mean, what, no, what, great. what he, we can agree on is that when he gets it right, he is he is fantastic. When he gets it uh, right, no, he's 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 decent. I'm not going to say he's fantastic. He's not. I'm, he's not. Fa- he's not fantastic. Okay. Newcastle were a far better team without him last season in the second half of last season than they were with him because I think the team, it's easier to build a team with him not in it. Now, does that mean you shouldn't try? Well, no, you should try because he, he does have he does have that creativity and he does have the, the capability to pick a pass that nobody else in the team does. But you also need players that can work off him and I accept that, you know, that's possibly they haven't had that. But... Um, you know, I think I think on those days when he gets it wrong, and the days when he's not disciplined, he loses the ball in positions that the team can't afford to lose the ball in, and they lose games. Well, let's see how that develops as we go on. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on a little bit before George smashes the studio up. Um, <laughs> I want to mention uh, Jetrol Williams playing uh, at well, what was he? he was left wing back, I suppose you could call it on on Saturday. He scored the first goal. Um, I, I thought. I thought he was a little bit of a, a strange signing for us. He was a player that we looked at a few years ago. He was very promising. He was a young uh, Dutch international, and he he kind of looked like he was going to be a world beater. Then he he got a bad injury. He, he went out to Germany and played over there. And we signed him, and I thought, oh, that's an interesting one. I I, I was a little bit sort of, oh, I wonder why we've why we've suddenly picked him up now, but. My God, I think that that goal against Liverpool and again the goal against Man City, fantastic uh, goal and decent player going forward. They're both really good finishes as well. Really cool, smart. You know, on his right foot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and going forward again, he is he is he adds something to the team. You know, which again is what the team needs. That you know, it's whenever they're playing in a block at the back. You know, they can do that. We know that. But can they can they go forward and try and take? Take it, not take them apart, but just overcome a team. You know that's what needs to happen. And he's, he has individual quality that you know th- that he he can do something. And he can, I'm not saying he's gonna be you know like a flying left winger or anything like that there. But he can, hopefully, he can complement Almiron as things develop. You know, and again, w- one of the things uh, we're all guilty of is just hasty judgments. You know, he's been here a few months. Mm. You know, and like even Almiron hasn't been here a year. You know, there's you know you need you need to give people a chance to settle in, it's and better, we're yeah. we're very we're very quick. To, you know, there's a rush to judgment that we're all guilty of. Hmm. I think that I I totally accept that point um, about the rush to judgment, and I know that Michael is a fan of Miggy, um, but I am you know I am as well, and I I th- I think my all I'd say about that um, about that judgment is that Newcastle haven't given themselves much wriggle room in the sense that you know Rondon their top scorer left um Perez left that obviously wasn't their their kind of fault as it were but they've 
you know, they've put themselves in a position where pl- the players that they've brought in have to have to succeed. Now, that's not the players, you know, that's not the players' fault, mm. but it is it is a fault of the situation. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. And if if Joe Linton had arrived and had scored, you know, three goals, it would it would re- relieve a lot of the pressure around the other players, so yeah. that Saint Maximum mightn't feel the need to play the way he plays. Almiron Almiron might feel a bit more uh, relaxed or whatever. I still, again, some someone like him is doing the hardest thing. He's doing the hard work of creativity, and. And he gives he gives the team a purpose simply by carrying the ball, yeah. and he he does it with speed and directness. And I think it, I think it gives you something different, especially in the modern you know in this the way football is played. You know, a lot in England is there isn't that kind of directness. Yeah, I really like Almiron. I just want him to score and for his yeah. sake as much as anything. But all, but again, I have to say you have to say to yourself, well. Yeah, he's been here almost a year, and that seems like a long time in, in football, but it isn't that long. I think he's a decent player. I, I, I enjoy watching him play a lot. I, I think he gives us something different, which we maybe didn't have before he came. Um, I'm I, thinking back, I remember that that chance he had in his debut at home yeah. when he ran through and chipped the keeper and it hit the post. Yeah. And you think, it's like a sliding doors moment. If that ball goes in... W- what yeah, are we dealing it, with now? You know, it could be a completely different. Uh, it's not. It wasn't quite different outlook. It wasn't quite John Dal Thomason, but it was. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, you, well, just, you, you just want, you just wanted it to go in for him, you know. And he seems, yeah. he seems like a genuine lad as well. You know, when he's playing, he's really, yeah. you know, he's not histrionic or anything. He just gets on with his game and keeps on trying. And uh, I really like his purpose. And I don't think I don't think anybody would enjoy playing against him. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I just don't because that that pace, that pace that he has, is frightening. And I agree with Michael. He takes the pressure off the team. He's under a lot of pressure himself. But by being able to run with the ball, to carry the ball, mm. that's when that tends to be when Newcastle are under pressure and they break, and then suddenly they're upfield. He does that, and you need players to, you know, to be able to take the pressure off you. If Jalinton is not doing it by holding the ball up or whatever, then you need you need other people to do it. Yes, and I mean St Maximum, same sort of thing as well. He's he's one of these players who I think Newcastle fans love. We love a player who gets the ball and and puts defenders on the back foot, runs at them and gets his, you know, has a go and does something different and is exciting. Um I think again like you were saying before, I think depending on the way things are and if the other players around him are scoring goals, maybe he might not be as you know, like dog that's just been let out of a car after a four-hour journey. Somebody's when he gets the ball, but he's off. There's not much he can yeah, do with that. No, he he could probably do with releasing the bone. You know, <laughs> carry on that torture yeah. analogy. Yes. No, he's um. Yeah, I'm I'm dying for them. I'm dying for the two of them to score goals and Joel Linton as well. I, I, I there's part of me feels slightly sorry for Joel Linton at the minute because he's ploughing a loan furrow he's not really kind of getting an awful lot of uh, support up there but when the ball comes to him his body language seems a little bit lax and the ball bounces off him and it did it a few times on Saturday and I just thought oh come on son you know you need to you need to pick yourself up whereas when you look at the way Rondon was playing last year he was formidable. He was a even if he wasn't scoring, he was making such a difference oh, to the he team. He was a proper centre forward. I loved watching him. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying he was the best centre forward in no. the world or the best centre forward that Newcastle have ever had, but no, he was. He, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. But he was a pro, he was a proper centre forward. And the three of the three of them last season, Perez, Almiron, and Rondon, worked, and they worked straight away. And you know, the word that Benitez always used was balance. And suddenly those three of them provided balance and it just worked. And we're now sort of asking two of 
you know, t- two of those players are different now in mm-hmm. in Jolinton um, and Saint Maximin, and it's it's difficult for them. It's been difficult. We've seen in flashes that they're capable of something, but it's a different sort of triangle. And you know, Jolinton is a very different kind of player to Rondon. Mm. Um, you know, I wish Rondon had stayed. I think that would have been. I think you know, I know, I know that he was asking for a lot of money, and I know what his you know what his age was, twenty nine, but. He made he made Perez into a thirty million pound footballer, I think, mm. and he made Almiron better. And you know, this this gets into a kind of conversation about the way Newcastle do business. But he was seen as dead money. You know, that's the phrase that's always used about Newcastle and their signings. But if he makes other players worth more money, and brings experience, and brings nous, and brings a tactical sense, you know, and whatever, then it makes everybody worth more money, and it makes. Theoretically, it makes the team better, and then yeah. the team go up places in the league, and they earn more money, and that's one thing that, you know, that this Newcastle have never kind of seemed to kind of get a grip of, uh, yeah. or never seemed to sort of appreciate. So anyway, I mean, hopefully things will turn around for Gillington, but he's a different. He's a he is a very different kind of centre forward. I, I, I well, no, I think that's that's valid because that's um, I, I I agreed with the club's decision not to resign Rondon or go out of you know pay the extra money for him or whatever at the time however then whenever you talk about that about adding value to other players then that's really that you know that you can't overlook that and um plus they've then gone and spent 40 million pounds on on a replacement so you have to think you have to think about the you know the equation of the money spent and the money saved and where would it all fall would you would it have been better to get two more years out of Rondon even at a at a high price, because mm. they've then gone and paid the high price for Joe Linton, who's, you know, who's definitely a gamble. Looking forward to the transfer window, we're a month away. Well, slightly less than that now from the transfer window opening. If Newcastle are able to strengthen, and that is a completely different question altogether, which you could potentially record another podcast all about. But if Newcastle are to uh, to strengthen, where do you think they're going to strengthen, and, and where do they need to strengthen? Well, George is putting on his glasses, which signifies a seriousness. Serious. This is my getting down to business. Brass um, tax, George. Yes. Well, no. I mean, I think. I mean, that that is the area of the field that I think needs strengthening. I mean, fine. Newcastle fourteenth in the minute, and they've done pretty well. Um, I mean, pretty sorry, pretty well in context of what we expect thought might yeah, might absolutely. happen. Um, but they've scored less goals than anybody else, I think, still, um, and. To me, that is a concern, and to me, that is unsustainable. So that's the part that is the part of the team I would like to see strengthened. I'm not sure it will be. Um, Chris Chris Woff, our colleague, um, has has written a good column on this uh, today. So I'd advise people to to check that out, in which he's talked about sort of the issues, but also some of the uh, sort of difficulties Newcastle face, which is that. All 25 of their squad places are taken up at the minute, so they will have to find some room somewhere, uh, which will mean letting people go. They have they they have a couple of domestic loans still available. There should be money available between 15 and 25 million, we think. Now, apparently, Steve Bruce wants a box-to-box midfielder. That's his top target, and I, I mean, he knows a lot more about football than I do, so I'm sure there's. I mean, I think he is concerned about the lack of sort of mobility and creativity in the centre of Newcastle's midfield and that that, you know, that there's much of a muchness in that sort of um, 
area that isn't the bit of the team that I would be looking at I'm no, worried I'm worried about I am worried about goals but it's not just it isn't just that, that straightforward thing of okay let's spend a bit of money and bring somebody in they need to get rid of people and yeah. they, so they have some interesting decisions to make there so who do you think looks likely to be to be going out of the door in that case if somebody leaves? Well, so there are there are those members of the squad who don't have a squad number. So you're talking about people like Colback and Saive, and I think there's another one who's but who were just training. I mean, who yeah. are training at the minute, so you would expect them to go. But then beyond and they're that, outside the twenty five. They're well, already outside so the twenty five. You need more than that as yeah. well. Yeah. And so then you're talking about, well key. it's key. Yeah, who's Dwight Gale potentially? Dwight, Dwight Gale will definitely have people wa- wanting him. Yeah, but that's also the area of the pitch. I mean, I mean, he's he's played very few minutes this season. Um, to use a phrase that I would hope to, I would never ever use in public, and I'm very I'd like to. I would like to apologise for using the phrase um, "very few minutes" um, <laughs> so far this season, and um, I would like to apologise to my fellow colleagues at the athlet- at the Athletic and also my family. It's just not good enough, George. But Steve Bruce has tried to sign him in the past, and he yeah. really likes him. Mm. And is that really the kind of area of the team that he can afford to let go? Muto is the other one, but again, yeah. he's that side of he is the same part of the pitch. He's not getting a look in at the minute. Who would take him, and where would he go? Um, and then, yes, as Michael says, Key, he's you know he's barely figured, so that would make a space. But again, you've got to you've got to find somebody prepared to take him they do have their six and a halves I think if you'd asked this question a couple of months ago you'd have said somebody like Kieran Clark or or you know or others but I don't think you can do that now I think they've proved their merit haven't they they've proved yeah, their worth you, in the last you, the last few months you and, know? and you've also got a couple of you, you know we've also had a couple of injuries there so if you're p- going to play three and a halves having six and a halves isn't necessarily a bad idea what Steve Bruce probably needs is for Dwight Gale to play until until January and see what he see what he's like, yeah. because we 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 just it's hard to tell what Dwight Gale is like at the minute, you know, because he's not playing or he's coming on and touching the ball twice, you know. Yeah. It, it you need to see that. So he's that's quite a decision then because you've got Joe Linton or Dwight Gale. It's a it's a you know against Southampton that's a big decision. And of course Andy Carroll's injured again and hasn't. I mean. Just has just looked so terribly immobile since he's come back. I was just about to say actually, and I was going to play devil's advocate here, and 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 you know say, it, does the Andy Carroll signing now look a little bit foolhardy given what's happened since he came in, or is that something that is, you know, it's just one of those things, and we have to we have to get on with it. It looks like wishful thinking. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. It does. He's obviously, you know, he's on a he's he's on a very small contract in terms of you know in terms of weekly weekly wages, and then um, you know gets gets a lot more when it's when he plays. But I mean, with the it's, best with the best one in the world, everybody every it's the kind of thing everybody wanted to say. I loved watching. We we talked about him in our yeah, first podcast yeah, about what a player he was when he came through. Um, we still want him to be that player. Um, you know, you still want him to be. A wrecking ball when he can be a wrecking ball to spread a bit of chaos in the last few appearances he doesn't even look capable of that mm. he just looks static um but you know I, th- I think it's unlikely that there's going to be any change to his situation until the end of the season mm. i've just it's come to me jemmy sterry was the other player who's who's, who's, right, who's, okay. who's not in the squad um yeah so that i mean it's not it's not a straightforward it's not a straightforward saying where do they want to strengthen there they go. You know they have work to do on the other side of it as well. Absolutely, yeah. The the, the Andy Carroll thing is 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 
it's a puzzle, isn't it? I mean, it, it's great to have him here. And I think for him, it's fantastic that he's back in Newcastle. But you look at the squad and you think about the fact we have got those 25 players. And is it a wasted squad number? Is it a wasted position if he's never going to play? Or if he's only going to come on for five minutes and, and, and look like he's pulling a tractor behind him? You know, it's, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? And I would love the lad to do well. I genuinely would with all well, my heart. It, it, it becomes a waste uh, or a block if it prevents you getting someone else in who you then who you need you know i don't know what steve bruce is thinking is on on box to box midfielder maybe he thinks that that will create the space you know someone with dynamism in the middle of the park will create the space for the strikers and that will help things um it it doesn't it, you know it, you wouldn't have thought that would be the immediate priority but maybe he's just you know Th- seeing things differently obviously is excellent well so moving on we're looking forward to the uh, or are we looking forward to it the Sheffield United game on Thursday um, interesting a game on a Thursday night what the hell's all that about that's not something I can remember ever happening in no, the recent yeah. past the Europa League <laughs> yes of course but you know none, <laughs> none, of our memories are, none of our memories are coming out of this podcast very well are they <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Sheffield United away. Is a slight worry about this game that it could turn into a, an Aston Villa situation from last week? What uh, do we think? It, it, ha- it has. Um, it has the feel actually in in anticipation of Norwich away. Whereas you know where where you thought Newcastle are going to go to Norwich and they're going to lose this match. That's that's what I thought. Mm. And and the way the intensity of Sheffield United at Bramall Lane. Will be like Absolutely. that. That's a that is a that will be really hard to cope with. And if Newcastle get a draw there, I'll be impressed. Sheffield United have come up and they've played in the same way that took them up and they've kept it going. And it's it's brilliant. You know, it's absolutely brilliant. And yeah, I think that they've also played good stuff. So um, I do think this is a test. I would be concerned about it. I think after after the match against Man City, the natural thing to do is to say Newcastle should go there and and get something but it doesn't work like it that does never it doesn't work like that United, does it? no and i think i think these are the games where they've you know where historically they 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 will struggle it's where they're sort of expected to get something because of the caliber in inverted commas of the team they're playing against and they and they get undone steve bruce talked about you know talked about consistency at the weekend it's not just about that it's about how you play against different teams playing different styles of football and what you're expected to do. Newcastle aren't a team who are set up to to dominate. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. One of the things I've noticed about Sheffield United, having watched them a little bit this season, is they're very, very good without the ball. They are so they're organised and they get after teams. They, they press like mad. And uh, Newcastle, they, they made a point of this on Match of the Day the other day, that Newcastle had done quite well against the Man City press and they were able to just pick them balls through and find you know find a way through to the forwards. Um, we're going to have to be on our game against Sheffield United. There's, there's no doubt. They're, they're going to be at us and they're going to be at home. The atmosphere is going to be pumping and Newcastle are going to have to be on their game. They have that intensity and Bromwell Lane is a great hostile stadium um, and it certainly has been this season. Uh, I'm going there on Thursday so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. Excellent. But it's, it's going to be a tough one. Would you expect any changes in the team or do you think it'll keep things as they are? I think he. I was just thinking that he, he, for him to play some maximum, Almiron and Julian is away from home, and that uh, I think that that's you would think that he might change one of Bold. those. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one one of those, and um, and play maybe 
Well, he might play five four one or whatever. Effectively, yeah. what it is, you know. Uh, and then, and then the midfield becomes interesting. You know, Shelby's. We've already discussed Shelby. I'm still absolutely livid, livid about that conversation. <laughs> um, but let's not like the blue touch paper. No, on no, that no, particular no, no, no. I'm again, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, but, but <laughs> it is a question that you know that is a that does become a perfectly reasonable question. Yeah, Do you stick absolutely. with that midfield too? Do you put a one of the long staffs in there instead and maybe try and shore it up a bit? A bit more, and the other point—the other point to make—is that it's it's two games in four days. Yes, yeah, so there could be some tired legs. So there will I don't be know if there changes. was any injuries coming off the back of the Man City game. Was any? Did any? Did anybody take any knocks? I noticed Joel Linton took a bit of a knock at one point, but I don't yeah. think, I don't think there's anybody I don't, potentially I don't know, missing. But, is but there? the other thing to to for Steve Bruce to consider is the next game because Southampton at home. You know, you've, I think Newcastle have got to try and win that game. Like yeah, they've got you know. They, you, I don't think it's a draw against Southampton's a great result at this stage. Mm. I think they've got to try and win that game. And whether you then look at it as can we get four points from these two games? Do we have a prediction for Thursday night? Um, Sheffield United to win. George. Uh, you see, normally I'm the most negative person in the room, <laughs> but when I'm with Michael, I'm I'm honestly not. So I'm Um Okay, Sheffield United to win, but by slightly less less than what Michael thinks. <laughs> Fair play. Well, I'm going to try and be the most positive person in the room for a change, and I'm going to say it's going to be a draw. Excellent. Well, chaps, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for uh, for listening as well out there, and uh, we will hopefully uh, see you again next week with some more uh, Newcastle United chat. Thanks very much for joining us, uh, Michael. Thanks. Uh, for Thanks very much, Chris. Chris will be back next week with his uh, south of France suntan, no doubt. And uh, yeah, so great stuff. And George as well, thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Pod on the Tyne. Make sure you get on theathletic.com. And of course, there's up 40% off the subscription with the code UKPOD. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.